Welcome to Positivity Strategist, a podcast that injects a good deal of optimism and possibility into your life at home and at work. Conversations with thought leaders and everyday people shine the light on what works and amplifies those everyday micro moments of positivity, irrespective of what else is going on. You'll be energized by lots of practical tips, inspiring you to live a truly satisfying and meaningful life. Hi, everybody. Today, my guest is Achim Nowak, author of two wonderful books and a third one in the making. And they're all about how we connect more deeply with each other and with greater aliveness. Here's a sneak preview of Akim. And I asked her, so how do we know that somebody has good energy? And she said, they're alive. <laughs> and I thought that was just the perfect answer. Now, before we speak with Akim, let me first introduce our Positivity Lens Reframe segment. I do this each week as a way to strengthen our positivity muscle, to encourage you to begin to put into practice some of the learnings and insights that my guests offer. Last week, positivitystrategist.com slash PS26, I invited you to think about how you can bring more positivity in your life after listening to Sef Fontan Pennock in the Netherlands. And those three tips were act on your learnings and insights. The application of learnings is the key to success because if you only cognitively learn something and don't change how you behave in the world or how you interact with people in a good way, then that's just a lost opportunity. And number two was practice self-discipline. Know what you want and set yourself some goals and create a plan to start achieving the results that you want. And the third one was be inspired by learning. Find out your preferred learning modalities, both in a formal or informal sense, and actively seek resources and use them so that they inspire you to grow and learn. And so now to this week's show. Well, hello, everybody. And today, it's my great, great pleasure to welcome Akim Novak to the mic as my guest. Akim. Hello, hello, Robin. Hi, I'm so happy to have you on the show. Oh, it's my pleasure to be here. Hi. Thank you. So for those of you who are active on the, in the leadership and human development space in the social world, and that's Twitter, LinkedIn, Google, etc., Akim Novak will not be a stranger to you. He writes prolifically for LinkedIn and on Switch and Shift, and he's been featured in Fast Company, Forbes, Entrepreneur, NPR, and on 60 Minutes. And Achim has authored two books, the first one being Power Speaking, and the second, the title is Infectious, How to Connect Deeply and Unleash the Energetic Leader Within, and that was in 2013. And now Achim is working on his third, and it's about to be published, and it's called The Moment. So we're going to be very fortunate to get some advanced information about this latest book. Now, when Akim is not writing, he coaches entrepreneurs and he gives talks, and I bet there's a ton more activity that perhaps we might find out during our conversation. And um, Akim is based in Miami. So, Akim, I love the titles of your books. Thank you. And the content of your books. 
So I want to explore that with you. You know, what is it that you really enjoy writing about most? In my own life, I, I like being with people, but the moments I like best is the moments when I get to a real connection with somebody. So I realize if there's a common thread in my work, it, I'm getting more and more interested in how we create deep connections and the joys and satisfactions of that. And because I, I play in the business world, I, I believe that's, that's not a luxury. Like when, if, if Robin, if you, if I work for you and uh, you're able to connect with me and engage me deeply, I, I want to perform for you. I want to execute for you. I will enjoy working for you. So the benefits are, you know, we're, we're having a good time together and we're creating financial success. So the dynamics of that, and I think a lot of this happens in the unspoken realm. That's what really interests me. And, and I, I like to demystify it and make it accessible for us. So is that the deep part? What's the deep connection? Well, the, uh, here's some research, my last book, Infectious, that really grabbed me. And I want to tell the story because I think it goes to the core of how we either successful or not. This was some research done at at MIT, they have a place called the Human Dynamics Lab. Sandy Pentland and Daniel Olguin do some amazing research there on, again, human dynamics and human relationships. And they took five mid-career managers and they said to them, you, you know, you're going to have a chance to go in front of a committee and pitch a project of your choice. And one of you, but only one of you, will be given a bunch of money to do this project. So this was a competitive situation. And three days before this pitch, they had a little cocktail party reception and they measured what they call our honest signals. And those are the, the signals that we emit as humans that make us unique as humans, like how, how close we move to people, how much we um, smile, how much we express with hands, how much we sweat, how energetic we are, and so on. Like all the stuff the body does. We tend to trivialize it by calling it body language, but this is the body language that's connected to the soul and the spirit. And when they were interviewed at, at Harvard Business Review, because they, they said, we, after that cocktail, they said, we know who's going to win the pitch. Hmm. And they correctly predicted the winner. Hmm. They had no idea what they were going to say. They hadn't seen the PowerPoint slides. And when they were interviewed by Harvard Business Review, they said, so what was the biggest distinguishing factor? And they said, personal energy. That's what I believe. And it's not what we often think of as the rara extrovert energy. Mm. It's being energi energetically connected to all of us, to all the different levels and being able to receive that from another person and from the world in which we, we happen to be. Mm -hmm. So the subtitle, how to connect deeply and unleash the energetic leader within yes. really encapsulate what infectious is. So it's about communication through understanding these dynamics. I coach a lot of senior level business executives on their verbal communication skills. Mm -hmm. And I believe those are really important. But I, I see incredibly smart, uh, articulate, well-organized individuals who have that all figured out. And I watch them with a group of people and I can tell they're not connecting, mm. even though that is all in place. No, that gets us to the deeper stuff, which is, you know, and the deeper things for me are uh, how I hold my personal power. And I, I mean that as power as a positive and not a negative, how I relate to your sources of power, how I show up with conscious intention 
and how that shapes my ability to connect. And on the deepest level, how, how I access my energy and how I dance with your energy. You know, and, and the folks who are really successful, because this is the unspoken stuff, but I think that's the juice of life, you know, and if we can play there, you know, that's where the magic happens. Absolutely. Whoa. So it's not just about standing on the stage and giving the talk of your life and <laughs> connecting deeply um, and showing your energy in that way. It's the day-to-day connection that you might experience, as you say at the beginning, like at a cocktail party or in a networking yeah. meeting. Mm. And, 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 and it sounds so simple, but you, you will chuckle, uh, Rob, and I, I coach some amazing people who I, I really love working with, but one of the things, and we have coaching goals, right? But one of the things we often work on, pe- people say is, you know, three, four nights a week, I have to be at these business dinners, they can be excruciating. I sit at a table for two, three hours. Sometimes I, I know I may not see the person again. So how do I show up as a human being, as a professional? What kind of risks do I take? Mm-hmm. How much do I self-reveal? Uh, to use a current term, how vulnerable can I be? Mm-hmm. And how do I then open the door for other folks? We investigate simple things like that because I think everything in our culture conspires against it because... We move so fast, you know, and we don't know how to settle down into those little moments where the sweetness happens. Mm-hmm. So save that little moment thing, will you? Because we'll come back yes. to the moment because I'm yes, sure it's yes, going to yes, be yes, what yes, you yes. can talk about. Uh, because I just want to explore something that you've just triggered in me. And that is every time I've heard you say something about this, being able to connect with others deeply and use your energy, it's about the other, not only you yourself, but it's how you then relate to another. So you always bring that other in, which is fantastic. Because, you know, so much as we always think it's about us and we go there and we, you know, yeah. I'm thinking of these networking meetings, you're sitting down to this long dinner and you really wish you could be somewhere else. But if you actually really put your attention and energy and effort into that other, that's right. what kind of energizes you, doesn't it? Well, it does. And, and the deepest part, if we want to really take the dive, is... And it only happens if we have that consciousness is that if I get to the moment when I realize that you are the other, but you and I are not separate from each other. Gorgeous. We are, we are, we are one and we're part of the same one. Gorgeous. Uh, and, but that only happens if I allow myself to, again, I'm going back to energy, which is intangible and unspoken, that I receive that from you. And I, I'll, I'll tell you a funny little story. I, I, for about 10 years, I was teaching in, a, in an MBA program in, in Massachusetts. Uh, these were accountants in the graduate school, and we would talk about personal energy. And a lot of my corporate clients have a hard time answering when I say, well, what is that actually? And I remember teaching this class, and a young lady in Matilda raised her hand instantly. And I asked her, so how do we know that somebody has good energy? Mm. And she said, they're alive. <laughs> and I thought that was just the perfect answer. And alive means I am mentally alive and curious. I am emotionally alive. I'm spiritually alive and I'm physically alive. And I have a conscious relationship to these parts of myself. And I extend them to you. Mm, that is, it's, I'm kind of sitting here with the French term, a bouche bear. You know what that is? A, a <laughs> yes, wide open mouth, right? <laughs> oh, like that is just such one, that's such a fabulous description. Absolutely. I'm lost for words. I, I know you and I get this and even when we get it, it's not easy to consciously live that every day. 
but a lot of my work is to help very senior business leaders who face a lot of pressures have to produce quarter result, quarterly results to allow them to drop to this level and trust that when they do so, there's a benefit to them personally, to every person they encounter, and to the business. That this is not a luxury, that this is actually where everything becomes a pleasurable ride. Yeah. Um, say a little bit more about that. Well, as I get older, um, I've learned to distinguish between like what's what's healthy struggle and what's the wrong kind of struggle, you know? And I, I believe part of growing means there is there's some healthy learning and that can be struggle with it. But if I continually struggle by fighting the same old battles, that's not the thing I want to do anymore. So if I relate that to business, the mm -hmm. when we diminish the struggles mm -hmm. and we have a sense of what struggles are worth having, what not, we get to the more pleasurable or to the sweeter ride. And I think the only way to get there in business is through, um, we tend to trivialize it by calling it teamwork, but I talk about through knowing that I cannot do it without on some level knowing that we're all connected and in this together. Mm -hmm. And if I, if I can drop into that experience and invite you in it with me, that's where the more pleasurable ride begins to happen. Yeah, so why, I think why I was hesitating with pleasurable, not in the hedonistic sense, but much more in the meaningful sense. Yes. Yes, so um, that's, thank you for clarifying that. Sure. Um, that's good. Achim, tell me, how did you get to where you are now that you are doing this kind of work? I'll give you the 45-second answer. My, my first career was in New York in the 1980s. I was a professional theater director and acting coach mm -hmm. and had a prolific career. Uh, I was, however, a total workaholic and had no real life outside of that. And when I was in my mid-30s, I decided to check out. I moved to a small island in the Caribbean, Tobago, which is a lovely place. I did nothing but windsurf for a year. I became a really good windsurfer. <laughs> then I said, I cannot windsurf anymore. <laughs> then uh, to, to, to you go back to the phrase, I, I needed more meaning and purpose. And when I came back to New York, I literally stumbled into this world because I was broke. I had to get a job. My resume read theater, theater, theater. And the place that hired me was a social services agency called the Victim Services Agency. And I was hired in the mediation training unit. And we trained school kids in New York City to become mediators. And that was very rewarding. And that opened me to the world of training and learning and development. And a lot has happened after that, but that was my transition when I didn't know what else to do. And I think it's good to that point. And I know you no longer know... <laughs> What you think you need to do, the universe presents the, you the right path. Mm -hmm. And that's what showed up for me, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So going from kids at school through to um, executives. Yeah. Well, one thing I learned uh, to go back to the talking part, mm -hmm. which is, you know, the, the surface dance we do, that's you, what you and I do right now. We're, we're talking to each other, but we're also feeding off of each other's ideas and we're energetically sensing each other, right? Mm -hmm. So this is what we're doing right now, even though we're, we're not in the same room. But that's what we're playing. The big light bulb moment for me, when I worked with teenagers in every borough of New York City, once they learned some basic mediation skills, which was a way of shaping conversations without always having to put your point of view in it, and there's some very sophisticated skills, 
they felt so empowered to actively engage in conversations, to shape them, to dive deep. They had a skill set. You couldn't shut them up. And that was wonderful. And it was wonderful to see young people empowered by the ability to, to shape conversations and create meaning and discover a hidden meaning that wasn't immediately apparent. You know, so I'm a great believer in, again, going back to adults, to playing with those skill sets. But as I've evolved, I, I know that a lot of it happens beyond the verbal skills. And, and I'm interested in all of the dance, not just the verbal part. Mm-hmm. You've just triggered something in me, Achim, because at the beginning I talked about, you know, you have a very strong presence on social media. Just say a little bit about that. I'm just intrigued about developing the relationship and revealing <laughs> your energy when it's in a virtual space because we're increasingly doing that, yes. right? First confession is when uh, I didn't really strongly start playing in social media until about two and a half years ago uh, and I had to really face my, my, my entire resistance to it and overcome it, which was wonderful because I delight in the experience now. Um, what, I, what I enjoy about Twitter, for example, because I am a writer, so I cherish language. So the brevity of Twitter appeals to the writer in me. It, mm-hmm. it stimulates me. I believe in using kinesthetic language, meaning language that is colorful, that is bold, that is provocative, language that has energy. I do this work. I try to use that language in social media, but I do that work with with a lot of clients that I coach because we're so used to transactional writing which is always neutral and we, we get rid of the color and the language. Like in, mo- in a written email, nobody wants to read an adjective anymore. And adjectives are astoundingly beautiful, right? Yeah. And they, that's where the juice is. So one way that I look to entice folks in social media is by using bold language, colorful language, sensual language. And that'll relate to my new book, The Moment, as well. Um, because when we stimulate the senses, we stimulate our collective memories and it's that's when we really want to engage and connect because we connect with our own past and we connect with the spice and the wording. Oh, that's beautiful. Um, no wonder you like appreciative inquiry as well because I do. It is about the storytelling and how yes. you kind of run the movies for other people and when people tell their stories um, you're act- you're being invited into their world, and so if you can make that, if you can use language around that, that enables people yeah. to connect more deeply. Coming back to that deep again, and getting people to experience what life is like for you, that's so rich and so valuable, and it really does help in those connections. On the deepest level, what I really love about appreciative inquiry, I believe it's a gentler path, and it's a gentle path forward. And I believe as a world, we all crave that. I just read Adam Grant's book, Give and Take, mm-hmm. you know, which is an astoundingly beautiful written book. But I think the deepest resonance is that it says the gentler path will help you succeed. My new book, The Moment, is also about really taps into our desire to, we want to succeed in life, but we don't want to fight so hard. We want to do it in a gentler way. And I, I believe that is possible and appreciative inquiry is such a wonderful framework for doing that. Mm. Yes. And when you go through the discovery interview, 
you set up the frame, you begin yes. to paint the picture of what it's like when it's, something is operating at its best and it is a life force. It is a life-centric approach. Yes. Coming back to what you were saying earlier. Yeah, I found it an incredibly powerful way of engaging with people and getting them to be being able to connect with their own story and beginning to value themselves mm-hmm. in their story. So let me ask you that question. What do you value about yourself that has, again, facilitated you to come to these insights, to come to this awareness, to express your gifts with the world? And what do you value about yourself, Ahim? Oh, that's a, that's a wonderful and tough question. Uh, this is the first thought that popped into mind my mind. I, um, I have always been a risk taker, sometimes foolishly so. I don't think I do it foolishly anymore, but I, I'm comfortable going out onto the edge and the edge is where we face our fears and where also real learning happens. And as I get older, what I'm embracing is that if I've been drawn to something for a while, to trust it and not question it. You know, for example, I, I've been a spiritual explorer and then suddenly I realized, you know, you've been, you've been going to the same Hindu community for about 20 years. Maybe that's really where you're supposed to be and you don't need to keep looking for something else. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a reason why you keep going back there. It's a willingness to investigate and explore and as somebody to say, okay, this is the right place and that the right channel. And once we embrace the form, it goes like the, the framing that you used, you talked about when you talked about appreciative inquiry. Mm-hmm. Once, once we embrace the form, and we don't question the form, then the magic happens within the form. Mm. I'll tell you the story because I know that you're married to a German gentleman. So this mm. is a wonderful story. When I, when I was 35 and, and I had a good job as the artistic director of a theater company in New York, mm-hmm. we were housed at NYU. So I had lots of perks that came with that. And I had just decided to give that up all the job security to move to this little island, Tobago with 30,000 people and just, just hang out for a while. And I remember calling my German mother <laughs> to announce that. And I, I was sort of not looking forward to that conversation. And I said in German, I said, mom, yeah, I'm leaving my job at the creative arts team. It's a pause. Okay. The question was, so what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to move to Tobago. <laughs> Oh, pause. Okay. What are you going to do there? And I said, nothing. (laughs) And there was a long pause. And she said, well, you know what's best for you. Oh, how wonderful. And and it was a profound moment in terms of me taking a risk with my mom, with myself, and being at a place where somebody can embrace it, you know. Uh, And also, if she had had another reaction, allowing her to have that as well, because she had every right to be concerned, you know? So that's like one of those moments where I go, it's a pretty big risk, but I'm going to take it. Oh, you know? I love that. That's so beautiful. It's totally unexpected. And yeah. not a, no, not the normal story you'd get from somebody taking a risk. Yes. Just the relationship with your own mother. That's so yeah. beautiful. Yeah. So why don't you talk to me about the moment? This uh, is your new book, my right? My new book. This book called The Moment, the very simple idea is that what if we, what if we knew how to experience moments more richly and more fully? And I thought, well, if we do, we have a, a more momentous life. And I play with the word momentous. Mm-hmm. And, 
And I thought, so what are some things that help us experience a moment more fully? There's a story. I have a wonderful friend named Irene Borger in Los Angeles. She's a well, really well-known writing teacher there. And Irene told me a story. This is the, the first story in the book that really propelled me into it. And then I'll tell you what the ingredients are. But Irene said, you know, I was at the Hudson Booksellers Bookstore and LAX Terminal 3. And I was buying in New York Times. And I sensed somebody standing next to me. And I looked up. And there was this man. And I felt a jolt inside of me. And I saw the look in his eyes. It was a kind, gentle look. And I got flustered and I went ahead and paid up. And then he said, would you like to have a cup of coffee? And just in that moment, they announced that my flight was boarding. And I said to him, that's my flight. And I paid up. And I grabbed my paper and I ran to my gate. And the woman that was taking my ticket, I blurted out, I said to her, I just met the most wonderful man. And she said, you have to go back and find him. And I ran back to the bookstore, but the man was gone. And that was a wonderful story for me in so many ways because the moment happened, the moment slipped away. But in the moment, my friend Irene knew that there was something about this encounter. In Buddhism, we call it prana, which is so this instant meaning and this instant wisdom. And it's not intellectual wisdom, but it's we know on some cellular level that we're talking to somebody who's important. Uh, and I thought, well, what if we didn't let moments slip away? Mm. You know, and what if we could experience them more richly and more fully? And the four elements I play with is, and some of the first one has to do with fully engage with all of the senses. Once I know my world more with all of the senses, I experience more richly what is happening around me. The second one is crave meaning. And for me, the highest meaning is the meaning I describe, which is the instant meaning. You know, sometimes we make meaning afterwards in hindsight, and that's fantastic. Uh, and even having like silly, mindless fun that's some form of meaning as well. So meaning doesn't have to be a deep, heavy thing. But I think, you know, we've all had moments when we meet somebody and we know instantly that this, not in a romantic way, this person will be important in my life. And we're talking, but the meaning is, I know I have met a soul traveler. I've met a spiritual friend. And that knowing so enhances the experience of that moment. Mm -hmm. The third principle is, I call it right, riding the energy wave which is, you know, many times we're in a moment where energy presents itself either through another person, through something that happens and we either can choose to write it or we can choose to block it. And I think folks who, I call them our life connoisseurs, are willing to ride the energy wave. And the fourth one is, I think, our ability to slow down time. Uh, and I'm sure you know the work of Mihaly Chichen, Mihaly about flow and the mm -hmm. flow experience. Mm -hmm. So in, in the highest flow state, we forget about the notion of time. Mm. And so our relationship to time, and especially the ability to slow down, which allows us, again, to know the senses more, to discover the meaning that's there, and to actually sense the energy. You know, the more we play on those four levels, I think the richer every moment becomes, and the richer our life becomes. That is so beautiful. 
It's about stopping in the moment, right? Yes. Take the moment. See, it's like, well, it's not actually carpe diem, but it really is kind of stop to notice, to be aware. Do you read your books? (laughs) (laughs) I want to recommend that you read your books. Your language is beautiful. Your voice is beautiful. I'm sure for the next one we will have a recorded version because Mm -hmm. I love recording, so it would be my pleasure to do it for sure. Oh, absolutely. Uh, It was just a pleasure listening to you. Where did this idea for the moment come from, other than your lived experience? Yeah. Why do we need this message? The beautiful part about this time is that because of books like Ariana Huffington's Thrive, which is the most mainstream sort of representation of many of us wanting mm-hmm. a richer quality of life where we're not just running, running, running all the time. So I feel like the time is right. right. But the kind of books that talk about living in the moment, and I think living in the moment, I like the phrase, but it's also a horrible cliche. Mm-hmm. Uh, so on the one extreme, we have books like by Eckhart Tolle. Again, I, I love his work. But to me, I call it spiritual perfectionism. Mm -hmm. It reaches for a standard of enlightenment that is hard to live every day. And on the other extreme, we have lots of books on meditation and books that are steeped in Eastern mysticism. And obviously, I've revealed that I, I live in that world as well. But I wanted something that had a middle ground that is practical and joyous and not, doesn't, search for enlightenment and also doesn't necessarily mean you need to meditate all the time. Mm -hmm. And I believe in meditation. I meditate daily, but I wanted to find a joyous path for knowing and creating moments that was in the middle between these two polar opposites that I see in in the mindfulness world. Mm -hmm. One extreme can be is for me to fully be in the moment. I, I need to stop the mind chatter and just be and notice what's happening. And I love that idea. You know, that's when man, what many of us aspire to when we meditate. But because I come from the world of theater, I also like the notion of being a co-creator in the moment, mm-hmm. you know, which is where the, the joyous meaning making comes in yeah. and where um, seizing energy, right, it, don't just observe energy, <laughs> ride the darn energy and see what happens and be surprised, you know. So I definitely mm-hmm. like a... a, a a creative relationship with what's happening in the moment. But I think also what you were saying too, Akim, when you're talking about Thrive and these other publications or books that are out there at the moment, you know, there's a zeitgeist, right? Yes. We're kind of, there's something in the air at the moment that's saying, well, what else? There's got to be more. You know, we've got to stop and appreciate and really value what life is about and what nature is about and what sense we make with each other and about the relatedness of being a human being in this world. That was beautifully said. I was listening to you saying amen. I agree with Mm. everything you just said. Mm. That was right on. Yeah. It's in relationship with others that we do make meaning and how we make sense of our world. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, I had, um, there was an interesting exchange I had on Twitter yesterday with a person whose Twitter handle is Andrea Learned. Mm-hmm. And she made a comment and she said that positivity strategist, which is what mm-hmm. I call myself, is a dream job. <laughs> and I love that comment and it made me very happy. But I'm thinking that you actually have the dream job. Well, but <laughs> if I can relate this to folks who are listening to us, you, you chose that. 
you know, and that is the story you are creating for yourself that you're forecasting and manifesting. And uh, that's the meaning that you are making for yourself and those who encounter you. And that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. And every one of us has the freedom to do the same. So it's beautiful, you know. Yeah, thanks for saying that. So what's a big conversation you'd like to be part of? I can sense it from the moment and the work that you've done, but what else would you like to see people being energized around in the world today? First word that came to mind is, is better knowing what peace is like, what peace feels like. Mm. I, I spent some time in the 90s doing some international peace work and, and that was intense, difficult and rewarding work. But, you know, peace... Again, this is a cliche now, but it begins with us knowing what personal peace is. Mm -hmm. But then uh, how do we create communities where at work, in our social lives, in the sub subcultures in which we play, where people show up and for an hour or two or three have a sense of peace about being a human being on the planet. And I don't have all the answers for that, but I, I think we need those conversations more and more. Yeah, and if we are in the moment or we think about the moment, we can strive for that peace, right? You know, loving kindness medication, uh, medication, the loving <laughs> kindness meditation is taking the opportunity to be happy and at peace. Yeah. I'm kind of just savoring this conversation. <laughs> I am as well. Thank you. You created the space for it. Oh, that's so nice. You and I have share have a wonderful friend named Suzanne mm -hmm. Daigle, who mm -hmm. we both um, know and, and adore, who is part of a movement called Open Space. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I think one way we get closer to peace is by trusting the innate desire of folks to do good, by not forcing more and more rules and regulations and structures on them. Mm -hmm. And certainly when it comes to conversations, Creating, creating an environment and appreciative inquiry does it in one form through its framing open space in a different way where, mm -hmm. where we're allowed to show up fully and not leave with pain and resentment afterwards uh, because we have been heard. Mm -hmm. And that's one way to getting toward more peace. Mm -hmm. That's wonderful. Yes, in fact, I went to an open space that was facilitated by Harrison Owen Sure. And it was on the topic of peace. Mm -hmm. And so we did explore that very well in that open space structure. Yes. Which is very rich. Yes, and I'm hoping to have Susan as a guest on my show soon. Yeah, so thank you for all of this. Is there anything else that you would love to say that I haven't given the opportunity or has come to mind, Achim? No, if I can just make a a shameless plug to anybody who's listening. If you're interested in the kind of conversation that Robin and I had, um, I, I connect with people from all over the world. So here's some ways in which you can connect with me. My business is called influence. That's the Latin origin of the word influence and it's spelled I N F L U E N S.com. And I have a, a weekly message called Energy Boost and people from all over the world subscribe to it where I really just try to give simple pointers about how to have a more energized week. So I urge you to sign up for it. You can also find me on LinkedIn. You can find me on Twitter. And uh, 
I look forward to engaging and to, to go back to something else. You said, Robin, because I travel a bit, the beauty of engaging for me in social media is it has led to many face-to-face meetings with social media friends, which I really cherish and they become real sustained friendships. So uh, I invite you to engage with me. Yes, that's beautiful. Thank you. And absolutely, thank you for saying those things because all of your links to your books, to your social media handles will be on the show notes page on Positivity Strategist. And so the dedicated page for this episode where people could find these links about you, Achim, and connect with you will be positivitystrategist.com slash PS. 27. You're number 27. I like the seven in that. That's good. (laughs) It's a good number, isn't it? Good number. Yeah. So this has been great. Thank you so much. I really just love listening to you, Achim, and I can't wait to read your next book when it comes out, The Moment. And in the meantime, I'm hoping people, if they haven't already read or purchased or looked into infectious, how to connect deeply and unleash the energetic leader within, that is a fantastic read as well. So my honor to have you here. Thank you so much, Achim Novak. Thank you for a great conversation, Robin. Bye-bye. Bye now. This week's Positivity Lens activity, which I encourage you to download on the show notes page of this episode, positivitystrategist.com slash PS27, is to invite you to follow Akim Novak's wisdom to find your energy source to deepen your connections. So my first question, are you aware of your source of energy? It's akin to being in your power, using your strengths, your sense of aliveness, And when you're leading from your energy source, you experience a presence, a freedom that allows you to connect more deeply with others. And number two, how appreciative are you of the single moments that make up your life? They can slip by and or we can truly notice the value of a particular moment. Which ones hold you? And number three, When are you most engaged in the flow of life so that the activity, the conversation or the relationship you're in, you have that awareness that your sense of self and other overlap and you experience that sense of oneness, that deep love and connection. Also, you can be notified of new episodes by email. Links to all these suggestions are available on positivitystrategist.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening and remember, what you focus on grows, so grow towards your best.